Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. It is Wednesday, right? Mm-hmm. Fresh off and off day. Uh, we are in Berea sitting at our familiar picnic table uh, just outside the practice fields. And this is a first and ten. I am Dan Lobby. I'm Mary Kay Cabot. And I'm Scott Patsko. And we are going to go through ten Browns topics. As usual, we haven't discussed them. We haven't done much prep work on them. We're just going to go around and throw them out and talk about them. So Scott, you are up first today, number one. Uh, let's go with kickers. Seems to be on everybody's mind today. Uh, things seem to have gone from bad to worse. Uh, you know, prior to today, it was the rookie Austin Seibert having most of the issues. Uh, I think we had counted up a, a four of eight showing uh, in field goal sessions. And yesterday didn't end well for, or actually Monday didn't end well for either of them when they were going through their drives at the end trying to set up a game-winning field goal situation. They, they both had misses. Um, and today, things continued to be bad, and Greg Joseph uh, was missing kicks as well. So now it's a situation where, all right, uh, things have kind of leveled out a little bit. Was this just a blip on the radar, or is now Greg Joseph going to be uh, an issue going forward? And I don't think uh, that's a place where Freddie Kitchens really wants to be at this point. Well, you know, it started out okay today. They both went 5-for-5 five five in the field goal portion of the drills, yeah. uh, except for the second one, Austin Seibert. Uh, smacked it in off the the right upright. Uh, But he got them all in, all the way up to, I can't remember right now, 49 49 49 yards. Okay, so that was good. But then they got to the game-winning situations, and actually uh, Seibert made a 37-yarder in one of those. But then... And got uh, a Bronx cheer for it, by the way. Yeah. But then he missed two, pushed two later ones wide right, one was like 54 yards, and you can't really fault him for that uh, too, too much. But the 45-yarder, yes, you need to make a 45-yarder. But Greg Joseph also missed a 41-yarder wide left today. And, you know, he had been actually, I think, really kind of pulling ahead in the competition. I don't know. I just, what do you guys think about going into the season? If you had to go into the season right now with Austin Seibert as your kicker, what do you think? I wouldn't feel good. I wouldn't feel great about either guy as my kicker going into the season. I think I'd feel better about Greg Joseph because I've seen him make kicks in games. Uh, But I wouldn't exactly feel great about either guy if he was my kicker going into a season where I've got to win games and I've got a tough schedule early that, you know, these are going to be close games, a missed kick here or there. Uh, Could be the difference between a four and two start and maybe a two and four start you you just never know with this schedule and um 
I, I wouldn't feel great about either guy right now. This is like the backup quarterback situation. You'd rather have, a, I think, a veteran there than somebody who is a rookie or, at least in Greg Joseph's case, you know, has less than a year under his belt um, going into a season where there's such high expectations, you know. All right, topic number two, Mary Kay. I'm going to go with Greedy Williams today. Greedy started out camp on the second team, and that was one of the mild surprises when we first showed up here was that he was with the second team. Uh, but then, as I so cleverly wrote the other day, <laughs> <laughs> then he started talking with his hands. He got two interceptions on one of the days in camp. Yeah. Uh, they're all starting to run together now. Yeah. And he just started to cover really well. And he's, now he's starting to tackle pretty well, too. So he was moved up just as they're starting to head into their scrimmage at First Energy Stadium on Saturday and their first preseason game next week. It looks like he's solidifying his status as a starter. I'll tell you, people are going to love Greedy Williams. Mm-hmm. They're going to absolutely love this guy. Obviously, they all love Denzel Ward because he's an Ohio State guy, grew up, uh, you know, went to Nordonia High School, um, the local kid. But they're going to love Greedy Williams because, one, he's really fun to watch play. Uh, yeah, I've said this before, I think he's going to get a ton of picks with Denzel Ward on the opposite side. And he's a talker. He's really good when he talks to us. He, he, he's very quotable. I, I think fans are going to absolutely love this guy. And now that he's working with the first team, uh, it, it's going to be a lot of fun to see him do, do battle. He's gotten matched up with Odell Beckham a number of times. You know, He'll end up against Rashard Higgins, probably you know, guys like Derek Will. He's going to be working with these first-team guys, Jarvis Landry. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's see what he can do against uh, the, this top group. Yeah, it was good to see him stick his head in and uh, and, and help make a tackle on a mm-hmm. running play. And I think, Dan, I think you caught it on, on film, so people can see that on cleveland.com, actually. We've, we've used it a couple times. Um, but that was the big question mark. And, you know, it's not so much the ability, I think. It was the want to and that, that got questioned. And, you know, he, he doesn't seem to have – they haven't had a lot of situations where he's had that opportunity. Usually he's being run off down the field by a wide receiver. But, um, you know, the opportunity was there and he made it. I think he's capable of six interceptions this season, and I think that he could possibly follow in Denzel's footsteps and make the Pro Bowl. We've talked about that on another video. If you put up those interception numbers, you can definitely yep. definitely get to uh, to that game. Are they are they still in Orlando? I don't even know what to say anymore. Get to know. Orlando? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. All right, topic number three. I'm going to go with a guy who talked today and a guy who's been getting first-team work at wide receiver, Derek Willies. We've talked about the that bottom of the wide receiver battle. Uh, Willies spoke today. He's been working with the first team when Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham have, have been on pitch counts. Uh, I think he's performing really well so far in this camp. We've seen what taking reps with Baker Mayfield can do. He said he was heartbroken last year when, when he suffered that injury on that Friday before the game against the Chargers. He had just come off that big uh, Ravens game. He was the center of attention, of, mm-hmm. you know, tons of interviews, tons of media scrums. This is a guy that, that made the raw, that was an undrafted guy, uh, had, a, had kind of a strange journey here. Uh, he, he's playing well, and I think if you had to put together a pecking order for maybe those fifth and sixth receiver spots, he'd probably be a guy that you'd have to write in there right now. Yeah, and you know, I think that he and Damian Ratley were coming along very nicely together for those last couple of spots, running sort of neck and neck, and then Damian Ratley suffered a hamstring injury and he early on, and he's missed most of camp already. And when that happens to you, that that's a huge setback. I mean, this is the time when you make the team, really. And uh, those first, especially that first week, when there's really nothing else going on, there's no games, 
uh, it's your chance to really step up and shine. I remember guys last year that missed the first week, they really had a hard time catching up. You know, the, the Chad Thomases of the world, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, you know, even Greg Robinson, Greg Robinson. Yeah. missing with the concussion. You miss that whole first week, and you're not on film in there, and, and they move along. So I think Derek Willies has really had an opportunity here, and he's pulled ahead for now. I think what it's going to come down to is what kind of receivers do they want in those final two spots. Um, you know, Beckham can do everything. We know what Landry can do. Um, Higgins seems to have mastered third down, and, you know, Callaway obviously has all that speed. What do they want from those guys down the list? Um, you know, Willie's big, strong guy. Mm-hmm. Who I think Freddie said today he doesn't look as great in shorts as he does in pads because he can use his size a little more. You know, if, if they determine that that's the, the kind of player they want at the bottom of the depth chart, um, he fits the bill really well. Uh, Scott, we're up to you for topic four. Oh, geez. Let's talk Greg Robinson. We uh, got to hear from him today. Um, he's had the the fun time of trying to block Miles Garrett throughout <laughs> training camp. Garrett's having a, a great training camp. You know, he's constantly in the backfield and... But that doesn't mean that Greg Robbins isn't necessarily having a bad training camp. Uh, Freddie told us the other day that he expects to see Miles Garrett in the backfield. So that's going to happen. And, uh, you know, Greg Robinson has talked about how it's been a learning experience. He's, you know, had to adjust on the fly. And he knows right away when he's been beat. And he's just trying to, to, to make the best of the situation. He communicates a lot with Miles. And they're kind of, you know, giving each other pointers and, uh, you know, he knows that he's the left tackle. He's not competing with anybody. He said today, it's basically, it's his job to mess this up. Mm-hmm. And uh, getting beat by Miles Garrett does not mean he's messing it up. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, I mean, if, if he can somewhat hold his own against Miles, or at least improve and get better, that will really, really help him. Because uh, there's not going to be a lot of guys that he faces that are going to be that much better than Miles Garrett. So good for him for having, you know, that kind of preparation throughout the summer. The other thing that I think helps Greg Robinson is Baker has a tremendous sixth sense for just knowing when that rush is coming and slipping away from it. He's very elusive that way. Now, they didn't play the best defenses in the world in the last eight games of the season, and Greg Robinson will probably face, will definitely face better pressure than he did in some of those games. But... He has that on his side, that Baker is very elusive. Yeah, um, kind of unrelated, well, not unrelated, but a different guy. We talked to Drew Forbes today as well, and he hasn't gone up against Miles Garrett, but I asked him, like, when you watch Miles Garrett on film, what do you see? And he's like, he's unbelievable. Like, just, he he talked about that quickness off the ball. You you know, you don't know if he's offside. It looks like he's offside because he's so quick reading that snap, and, and we see it in games sometimes as well. Joe Thomas was kind of the same way when he was a left tackle. He always thought maybe he was false starting because he was so quick off the ball on the other side. So that's what Greg Robinson is dealing with every single day, and, and you've got to think that when he starts going up, he'll be going up against good pass rushers, but if Miles Garrett is what we think he can be this year, he's not going to face a, a whole lot of Miles Garrett's, but you're still going to face an NFL pass rusher on that other side, so uh, you know we'll see if Greg Robinson can really revive his career here. Mary Kay, topic five. All right, well, we talked to Baker Mayfield today for the first time since the first day of camp, and we kind of got going on the theme a little bit of uh, how he has been more vocal in camp this year. Well, and I didn't, when I asked him, I didn't just mean more vocal in camp. I meant more vocal in general. 
mm-hmm. not just camp, because as we know, he was the backup quarterback in camp. But that was his answer. He was like, well, yeah, I'm more vocal this year because I was the backup last year. I couldn't be more <laughs> vocal. But he was the starter the last eight games of the season. And I still think he's taken even on even more of a leadership role in this offense. He has great expectations uh, for this offense. And he knows where everybody's supposed to be at any given time. He's showing how smart he is. Uh, you know, he was, again, yelling at Rashard Higgins when... Greedy Williams didn't touch him down today, and Baker's like, you know, basically get up off your ass and go run for a touchdown. <laughs> and, you know, we heard him bark at the receivers the other day to come back to the ball in the scramble drill. Uh, there was some situational football today where he had to kind of yell at people to to get in the right place at the right time and, and get things done the way they needed to be as quickly as possible. So I think he has a better grasp of the offense, and that is also allowing him uh, to be more vocal that way. And he knows it's his team. Mm-hmm. That, that's, you, know, you know, so often we see quarterbacks that you expect to be leaders. These guys come in, they're in the middle of a competition. We don't know if that guy's good enough. Uh, and, and it's hard to be that vocal leader when you haven't even won the job yet. Um, so I think just the fact that the Browns are coming in with stability at that position, uh, they know who the guy's going to be. They, you know, These guys know who uh, who's going to make the money for them this year. They know he's the guy that's going to get them the football. And if they, they kind of get on board, he can take them to some pretty uh, high heights. Uh, it's, it's easy for that guy to be the vocal leader and to maybe call guys out, and guys are certainly going to listen in those situations. Yeah, and we didn't get to see uh, you know full practices when when he became the starter last year. So you know, but I, I do agree. I doubt he was calling out people like he was or like he has been. However, I mean, towards the end of the season in press conferences, he wasn't shy about you know voicing his opinions. And like it was later in the season when they officially became eliminated or we're down to like 1% uh, chance of making the playoffs. He talked, uh, he kind of called out teammates saying that, you know, he, he wants everybody to give their all and, you know, you shouldn't be thinking about contracts. You shouldn't be thinking about what you're doing in the offseason. Um, so started a little bit last season, but yeah, we're, we're getting a full dose of it on the practice field. Okay. Topic number six. I, I kind of just randomly thought of this one today as I was watching running backs go through drills, but um, there's some talented guys that are just standing there in shorts still. And it would be really nice to see Kareem Hunt get back on the field and Duke Johnson get back on the field. I think that's an important piece for this team as they go through camp. So injured running backs is my topic. You know, when are these guys going to get back? And and is it hurting this team that they're not out there? Obviously, they're going to be without Kareem Hunt for eight games, but this is his chance to get some reps before he disappears for those eight games and get used to this offense and for this offense to get used to him. And then Duke not being out there, too, I, I think. It's, it's not great for this team either. They need to get Duke back out there eventually, too. I think not having two of their top three running backs on the field right now isn't great. Yeah, I think it is um, resulting in too many reps for Nick Chubb. You don't want to wear this guy yeah. out in training camp. Too many reps for Dontrell Hilliard. And, yeah, I think it's hurting them uh, in a lot of different ways. As you mentioned, Kareem Hunt has now missed uh, six training camp practices and that's all he he's only got training camp and then he's supposed to hit the field in week 10 and (laughs) that's it training camp you know to learn a whole new offense to learn his blockers you know to learn the scheme to get to know everybody the nuances and baker mayfield and then you know and then that's it so i i do think that hurts and then duke johnson i don't care what anybody says when you have duke johnson on the football team you're going to have a package of plays for him and you're going to you're going to play him 
especially in this passing offense and with his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield or split wide or whatever else he can do in the passing game. And it does hurt not to have him out there. And once again, once you miss this big chunk of practice in the beginning of camp when all the installation is happening, it has a tendency to linger. Yeah, I think uh, I, did, I did winners and losers of the first five days of camp, and I had Hunt down as a loser because he has this finite number of days to uh, to to practice with his team, and the you know the more time you get in August, the less time you have to make up in November. You know, if he comes back on time, so mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's gonna it, it matters. All right, topic number seven, Scott. Oh, geez, how about Sheldrick Redwine? Uh, you know, we've talked a lot about. You know, rookies like Greedy Williams and Sione Takitaki and even, uh, you know, Seibert and um, Drew Forbes even at times. And uh, Redwine's kind of gone about his business and hasn't got a lot of uh, a lot of mentions. Uh, but today he kind of had a couple moments. He, he, he knocked away a pass to Farrell Brown uh, near the end zone. Um, it was a deep pass from Stanton. And uh, it was kind of bobbled and he just came in and just put an end to it. And then... A little while later, he actually picked off a pass from Stanton, and I think the play actually got nullified because of an offside. But still, made the play on the ball. Um, he's he's kind of like in the background, I think. Because everybody's talking about safety-wise, uh, you have uh, Jermaine Whitehead as kind of the third guy, and you have Eric Murray coming in and playing the slide, and, and Redwine's getting a lot of that second team uh, reps, and I think you know, he seems to be making the most of it. He's he's not a guy who's gonna get a ton of reps. I think he's going to be the guy you're going to see a lot on special teams. Um, you know, but rookie-wise, for, for where he was picked in the fourth round, I believe it was, um, I have to think Dorsey's happy with him. It's really hard to watch safeties in camp. You know, unless they're making a big play like Sheldrick made today, getting that interception. Um, I mean, it's just think about Demarius Randall, right? We see him out there, we know he's out there, but you know, nothing has really stood out about Demarius Randall. It doesn't mean he's having a bad camp. It just means that his job as a free safety, unless the ball's coming his way and he picks it off, sometimes we don't always see that stuff. So um, Redwine's doing something right. He's working with the second team a lot. He came up with that interception. I know he's an exciting, uh, you know, kind of athletic guy. I don't know what his role is going to be when the season starts, um, but I'm, I'm I'm a, he's a guy that I'm really intrigued by, and it's good to see him make a play today. Yeah, it was good to see that today. And it just seems like a lot of those guys that come out of the U are just really ready to play some football, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he just follows along that, that same line. The moments aren't too big for them, and they kind of have a little swagger and an attitude about them, and he just is one of those kind of guys. All right, Mary Kay, topic eight. You know, I'm going to do a little bit of an injury update with topic number eight right now uh, because we have a few things uh, that that we can discuss. Seth Devolve ended up uh, having a concussion yesterday. We saw that happen late in practice. It was actually red wine that delivered that hit. Yes, and... um, and so, you know, he, he looked kind of dinged, and he, he walked off with the trainer, and we saw him having, like, the neuro test there on the sidelines. So he is in the concussion protocol, and that means, you know, it's already Wednesday, so there's a slight chance now that, you know, maybe he won't play in, in the scrimmage on Saturday. And then um, Olivier Vernon today was over with the bike guys with a hamstring injury so now we are starting to see a few of those this is a physical camp yeah they're in pads four straight days today so some of those soft tissue injuries are starting to creep in a little bit so olivier vernon today over on the bikes we didn't see larry Ogunjobi do hardly anything today at all i saw um dan Aquali in there most of the time yeah. and um 
and Larry Ogunjobi, you know, I don't think it's anything super serious at this point, but just sort of precautionary. Jalen Strong left the field today. Uh, that paved the way for Antonio Callaway to get a few more reps, especially with the starters that he hasn't been getting. And um, so that's one to watch. And then Jannard Avery, today was the second day in a row that Jannard Avery, who has an ankle injury, hasn't even been out here. And that always is a red flag to me. Especially in this camp. Especially in this camp. Because we keep hearing from Freddie Kitchens that we want you out here. So I'm guessing at this point that he must have a high ankle sprain and that he's in a boot or something. I don't know that for sure. But something seems to be up there with Jannard Avery. Uh, and I think he could end up missing a little bit of time. So some of these little injuries are piling up, and we haven't even gotten to the <laughs> preseason games yet. So, you know, I mean, you just hate to see that. I mean, you're going to have some. It's yeah. football. But, again, it's a very, very physical camp, and these things happen. Yeah, and if, if it is a high ankle sprain, that's that's bad news. I mean, those can, those are injuries that can keep you out for a while. And, I mean, I just wrote about J.C. Treader playing through one, and, and Joel Batonio said in a video that the team did, Back in whatever, it's early in the off season that you know for a lot of guys that's a four week injury. Yeah. So you know if that's going to keep him out for like a month, that's going to hurt him. Now, if I remember right, he got hurt last camp too, yeah. and he came back and, and had a great game against Pittsburgh in the opener. So maybe he's a guy that could just get out there and go. Um, but again, you'd like to see him out there because this is a new defense, this is a new system they're playing in Steve Wilkes, new defensive coordinator. Uh, you'd like to see him getting reps like reps in that. And he's playing a new position. Yeah, he's, he's doing a lot on the defensive line. He's playing he's playing defensive line almost exclusively this year, and if they're going to play him at linebacker, it's going to be news to us because we never <laughs> see him there. You know, this is, this is where we find out if the Browns have really turned a corner and how good is their depth, you know. Um, we know that their roster is better, and if these guys still have lingering things going into the preseason, if things keep going like this and they get to the regular or get through the regular season then we're we're looking at depth and we'll you know we'll find out and jc treader speaking of jc treader got his ankle got rolled up on today and he was very frustrated about that because you can just feel that obviously immediately yeah. when that happens and he's been through so much with that ankle and he threw his helmet he went over he got the ankle taped and the warrior that he always <laughs> is as dan wrote about last week or earlier this week he came back in and, and finished practicing, and Freddie said he would expect nothing less. Okay, topic nine. Hmm, let's see here. Do we, want to talk, <laughs> do we want to talk more about right guard? Sure. Are we bored with the right guard battle? I'm totally bored with the right guard Mildly battle. Bored. I kind of am too. But nobody's grabbing this thing. No. It was Eric Cush again today, and it just feels like... It feels like this battle is going nowhere right now. And I wonder... When when you guys think we'll get some clarity on this? Will it be after the first preseason game? Because we'll get a look against these guys against a real pass rush. I just I don't like that we're six days into this. And I, if I asked each of you who the leader was in this battle, I don't think there's an answer. Because I, I don't know who it is. No, I, I don't think so. I mean, Austin Corbett started out on the first day as the right guard. So maybe he, had, he would be considered to be the slight, slight front runner. But Freddie's made it clear that nobody has really pulled ahead. Now, one of the times that I think that they might actually get some clarity on it is when they go up against the Colts. You know, then you're having a chance to see them against other competition, and it's going to be intense for a couple of days. And, you know, maybe you come home from there by then, and you're like, okay, it's time to, to wrap this thing up. I don't understand why they don't just put Austin Corbett in and let him sink or swim. 
you drafted him in the second round. He's getting reps in the first team. Yeah, you know, it, it is just. It, I think they can say that nobody has emerged, but you can also say, why haven't you just picked somebody and, and see if it works? Yeah, you know. Yep, you're right because last year, remember last year they were doing this at left tackle, and they would give a guy yeah. a period of time to try to win the left tackle job. Yeah, and then if it, if he if he couldn't cut it, then they put somebody else in there. But this is every single day is a new guy there. It would be hard to kind of build up a little momentum or a little steam at the position. Well, the other thing that worries me, too, with Corbett is going back to that left tackle thing last year. It just got to the point where they went to plan Z. Remember yeah. Bob Wiley on a Saturday said, right. well, Joel Batonio will be our plan Z. And then two days later, yeah. Joel Batonio is your left tackle. He was supposed to start a left tackle. And then there's a part of me that almost wonders if the reason they kind of went away from that is maybe they didn't completely trust Austin Corbett to start at left guard in place of Batonio. Because Joel Batonio thought he was going to be the left tackle week one, and then they'd switch Desmond right. Harrison at the last minute. You know, it's it's worrisome that they aren't willing to do what you said, Scott, just put Corbett out there and let him sink or swim, especially this early in camp. You've got sure. nothing to lose. Um, it's just worrisome that, that he's not the one that's grabbed the position and that nobody else really has either. And, you know, look, Kyle Kalis would be a great story, but... Who knows? Who knows if he could handle it? Eric Cush is a guy that started in, in Chicago. Um, I, I believe a left guard last year. I can't remember. He was at one of the guard positions last year. Um, I don't know. None of these guys have seized it. We're six days into camp. You come off the off day, and you hope you kind of see the coach say, okay, we're going to make these adjustments like you did with Greedy Williams. You know, Now we're going to make some adjustments. It still feels like right guard is up in the air. It almost seems to me like you might get to the point where by default, maybe not by default, maybe that's the wrong word, but you might want to just go with the guy who's started a bunch of games there in Eric Cush yeah. so that you have an experienced veteran who can hold down that spot until maybe Corbett is ready or even Kyle Kalis. All right, last one, Scott. All right, so this is something I've been thinking about for a while. This is kind of a wild card, uh, wild card thing. <laughs> the, the Browns have a remade defensive front. They need a nickname. There's tons of talent, right? Everybody's expecting big things from this group. All the great front lines have had nicknames. The New York Sack Exchange, the Purple People Eaters. So the Browns need one. Now, obviously, Orange Crush has been taken. That would be real easy and fit. Um, I've seen some people offer suggestions, and I'm curious what you think, how good they are. The Lakefront is one. Okay. okay. Which, you know, makes sense. Um it seems like it needs another word in there, but the lakefront is one. The hunting dogs, hunting okay. for quarterbacks. <laughs> Those are the two that have stuck out to me. Um, but I think this really needs to be settled, maybe even before they pick a right guard. I, I kind of wish, I kind of wish Larry Ogunjobi had a more normal name, because then it would sound like a law firm. Yeah, you'd have Garrett Richardson, Vernon, and <laughs> Smith. How about just Larry? Larry and Larry, yeah. <laughs> Larry too, because <laughs> so, it would sound like a law firm. You can make the T-shirts. I don't know. Maybe you could have a uh, go with Ogun. So it'd be Vernon Richardson Smith and Ogun Joby, <laughs> the law firm of I don't know something like that. They can get Tim Misney to sponsor it. They'll make you pay. <laughs> See, how you guys about, are on board with this. How about if uh, our listeners 
offer some names of their own. And when we meet again sometime, we'll try to kick around some of these ideas. I've, I've got nothing. I, I haven't could, really thought about this yet. It could be Miles and the Milestones. Kind of a play on Murph and the Murph Tones from... Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Oh, I forgot to mention Chad, Chad Thomas was out with an illness yes, today. I forgot about that. And I, called, I said it was the bird flu. <laughs> maybe you'll get that. Maybe you won't. All right, I think we've hit our breaking point here <laughs> yeah. because we're talking about Larry Ogunjobi's name and bird flus and all of that. So we didn't talk. We didn't even talk about Baker's mustache and all that that's went true. down today. Well, again, we'll save that for another to. day. I don't know if we need to. <laughs> I don't know if we need to go down that road. No. All right, so that's it. First and ten, we made it through again. So far, six days we've made it through. Uh, thanks everybody for listening to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast for Mary Kay and Scott. I'm Dan. We'll talk to you tomorrow.